Hello, and welcome back to Talking Talmud. I'm one of your hosts, Dana Azban, here with my friend and Chavruta, Ann Gordon. Our DAP today, Masachat Beta, DAP Lamed Aleph, page 31. Well, we have a couple of announcements that we want to share before we get to today's DAP. Uh, the first one is, is that we are coming on to the end of Masachat Beta. Um, I think even thinking about the CM seemed really hard until Acharei Chagim, and we're even thinking about it two days after Acharei Chagim. <laughs> Um, but we will, God willing, be making a CM on October 10th, uh, 10 a.m. Uh, East Coast time, 5 p.m. Israel time. Uh, we will be sending out a sign-up form uh, soon. And uh, if you want to share some Torah, uh, please let us know. Uh, you know, we know now that we're going to be entering this time where we're going to be coming into a lot of CMs almost about once a month. We also know that having... Uh, any sort of time on a Sunday is very valuable right now. So, uh, you know, this won't be a super, this won't be one of our longer ones. Um, but uh, we look forward to uh, finishing the Masacha with you and celebrating the end of it. And especially for all of you who really kept up with Dafyomi. Um, and even if you're a little bit behind <laughs> over the Chagim, I think there's a lot to celebrate with the end of Masacha Beitza. Um, the other thing I wanted to mention to everybody before we start an actual dot for the day is some personal news that I wanted to share, uh, which is that my family and I have had the big zuchut to move to Israel in the last couple of weeks. Uh, we came actually between Yom Kippur and Sukkot. Um, I'm actually recording this from the first time from our new home in Modin. Um, and uh, I'm sure I'll be updates. Uh, maybe I'll share a little bit more in the CM about how and when this happened. This came together a little bit quickly. Um, but I'm excited to share this with my um, Talking Talmud uh, family. And uh, yes, this does impact. Anne and I now have to totally rearrange <laughs> our recording schedule. <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, it's all give, good. It's yeah, all I want to give a little shout out to Anne for all her help and support over the, you know, last couple of weeks and months as we uh, prepared for this. So thank you. Welcome here, Dana. We're very glad to have you in the Holy Land. Um, and... Okay, let's get to the daf. Um, the first Mishnah begins, is at the very top of the daf. So you can bring wood that's chopped. You, know, you have a tree and you chop down the tree. You can bring that wood in, coming in from an unfenced field. This is from a, a, I don't know, it's just a field, right? is when it's been gathered into a pile. Um, and the plan here, and this time we do know what the wood is for, right? It's for the sake of using it for firewood. Um, min are karpef. Karpef came up um, in Masachet Eruvin. A karpef is an enclosure. And here the question is, when it says, afilu min fuzar, even if the wood is scattered throughout this karpef, because the presumption is that he's using it for, or that one is using it for some kind of storage, because it's a human enclosure, as compared to the sadez, as compared to the field, which is, you know, further removed from from domesticity, I guess. Ezu Karpef, the mission says, what is this, what is this Karpef? It is close to the city. So a Karpef is an enclosure that's near the city, and and that's Rabbi Huda's position. Because that same look of a thing, if it were further from the city, would be, you know, would be treated and related to as a field. 
But Rebiosi says that any fence place, any kind of enclosure that you, you're going to need, it's not just that it's near a city, it's that you actually need a key to get in. Uh, you need to but potachet, you have you need to have an, an opening device basically to let yourself in. And then then it can be more at further remove from the city, meaning it's not a field per se. You have there's somebody who's got owner. And as long as you're within Tchum Shabbat, as what well, long as you're within that distance from the city, then then it's going to be called a karpef, and you can remove your kindling from it for your fire on Yantif. Um the Gemara here says, you know, really focuses on the karpef. Amar Rabbi Yehuda, Amar Shmuel, Ein mevin eitzim, ela mena mechunasim b'karpef. Rabbi Shmuel, I'm sorry, Rabbi Yehuda said that Shmuel said that you cannot bring wood in these cases um, except from that was gathered in a karpef, meaning don't take wood that's like just even in a pile out in a field. It really should be in something that is under your domain. Is my understanding of this? So the Gemara says one second. The Mishnah says from a karpef and even from scattered wood. Meaning we're not just talking about the karpef. We've got other options here. And then the Gemara's answer is really a lesson in, I guess the the rules of psak here, or an exception to the rules of psak. The Mishnah is following a, a yachid, a, um, like a solo opinion, an individual opinion as opposed to uh, the majority, which might be the usual position. And then the Gemara goes on to say, we don't really rely on this. The Gemara says, well, they agree. Rabbi Shimon ben Elazar says, Bicham and Bithil do agree that you don't take wood that is scattered out in the fields. You can't gather it together to bring it in to use it for fuel. And that which has been gathered together in the Karpev is acceptable. You can bring it in to use it for kindling. What's the what's the debate between them? What about the scattered, any scattered wood that is in this enclosure? Can you use that or not? And something that is gathered together that is out in the fields. Meaning the it, it seems the real focus of the the debate here is how much uh human involvement, how much ownership has been taken. If you you know gather wood together and make a really neat pile of it out in the sade, out in the field, then you've made it very clear that this is this is your wood and this is your intent that you're going to eventually come back and bring it home to use it for kindling. And in a carpef, even the wood that's scattered out, scattered about because it's in your enclosure, then the assumption I think is that of course you're going to use, use it. The fact that you haven't gathered it together yet doesn't change the fact that it has its location in your enclosure. So clearly you're going to be using it. Right. And then, so the demand continues here. And of course, Beit Shama here is more conservative and Beit Hill is more, generous in his psaq, which says, you know, yes, you can bring it in. You can use both that which is gathered in the mechunasin, um, uh, that which is mechunasin, that which is gathered out in the sadeh, in the field, and that which is scattered within the karpef. Um, okay. It, the one thing, of course, that I'm going to comment here is that this seems very far removed because even though we certainly do cook on Yentif, 
And, you know, some people, we've talked about this, some people are more likely to be cooking and some people are more likely to be heating up as opposed to cooking from scratch. We're not using, I don't, I don't know, anybody who uses a wood-burning stove for the purposes of cooking. I know a few people use wood-burning stove for the purpose of heating their homes, but not for the purposes of cooking. This is a great remove. And I don't think that there's anything comparable because if you're, if you're, I guess the question is, you know, if you had a balloon of gas in Israel, there's a, there's a number of people like, you know, you run out of the, the gas, it's a balloon and the gas company can, comes and changes it. And perhaps that would be the comparable question of, can you do this on Yantif so that you have fuel for your oven? But for the most part, if people are using electric or gas that's coming, you know, through pipe in the wall, it, there's nothing, there's nothing practical or no practical application. You want to have a, roast marshmallows in your fire pit. I mean, I, I don't, right? Like the, the issue I understand, but the practicality of it is a little bit further removed. Yeah, I think this whole masakad is giving me a greater appreciation for modern life. And it's clear that like with their, their yuntif or what chag look like then would not feel very yuntif to me because it involves doing a lot of daily activity with some changes because that's just sort of what you need to do to live day to day. And, you know, we have so many conveniences, the way we get our electricity, food preparation. We don't even need to think about these things. So the next time my children whine about having to keep, <laughs> you know, you know, hog or something like that, I'm going to remind them of this. So that that's a big thing I'm taking out of this. Um, I have two more missions here that I want to get to. Uh, the first one is at the bottom of Amit Aleph. Amit Bakin 18, Lomin HaKorot, Lomin HaKora, Shanish Barabi Yontov. So you're not allowed to chop wood on a hog that came from beams that, you know, maybe were set aside for something else, for construction or something, or a beam that broke um, on a festival. And one can't chop uh, wood on a chag, either with an axe or with a saw or with a sickle, um, because this these are clearly sort of... Rather, you're allowed to only use a cleaver. And so then the Gemara makes an interesting observation. But didn't you say in the first part of the Mishnah that you can't chop at all, right? It says you can't chop, right? Right? You can't chop at all. And then what happens here? The second half seems to say you can chop. I'm a Rabbi Huda, I'm a Shmuel. So Rabbi Huda says in the name of Shmuel, right? This is an incomplete Mishnah. This is what it should teach. One cannot chop from a pile of beams, right? Not just you can't chop uh, wood, but it's you can't chop from a pile of beam. So that's the same. But you can chop wood from a beam that broke on Arab Yom Tov. Um, and that's not in our Mishnah. And if you are going to chop, these are the things you're not allowed to chop with, an axe, a saw, or a sickle, but you can use a cleaver. Right? So who is this opinion like? Right. So this opinion right here is also like this brisa, which says that one cannot chop wood, neither from a pile of beams nor from a beam that broke on, on the chag itself. 
as it's not considered prepared. And so therefore, what's, sort, what's interesting here is, is that the issue with the first half of the Mishnah is one of muksa, right? That you can't chop from that pile of wood that you find or the pile of beams because it's basically wasn't set aside properly. So it's basically, uh, it, it's an issue of, uh, it's an issue of, of muksa where, um, you know, where the end of the Mishnah is really talking about if you are going to chop, right? If you are going to doing that action, what is the correct way of chopping and how do you do it? So there's sort of two different halachot that are mixed in here, right? An issue of muksa, what can you chop? And then the end of the mission is dealing with what are you allowed to chop with? Um, and then I'll get to uh, the Latin. And do you have anything you want to add to that mission before I get to the next one? No, just I think comparable to what you said, I would say that um, what, you has, what you said in response to the part that I read, I think that this this masachet and this even this these dapim makes it clear why muksa becomes such a serious thing for yantif. Yeah, I think that's a great. Usually, we think of muksa as an issue more on Shabbos, but it's clearly an issue also on Yom Tov in a way that I don't think we we normally uh, talk about that much. Um, so then we get to another very short mishnah. So let's say you have a house like a storage thing that's filled with produce and it's locked up. And then a hole forms, you know, tell me So you can basically go through and take out fruit through the hole, right? Because the fruit is not considered muksa, even though you can't get to it unless it has a hole. Rabbi Meir holds an opinion that you could even you could actually make a hole and take the payroll out. Now the Gemara asks a good question here. Right, am I right? Why? Why would Rabbi Mayer basically? Uh, why would Rabbi Mayer allow this? Right? Isn't this dismantling a tent? If you take a piece out, it's 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 that's actually doing a malacha. Amar Rav Nachumi Bar Ada Amar Shmuel. So Rav Nachumi Bar Ada says the name is Shmuel. Be delivre. So here we're talking about it's bricks that were put on top of each other. They're not cemented together. So it's not really considered to be a building at all. And then it says, Ini, is this so? But Amar Rav Nachman, Hani Livne Diyatur Mi Bidanya. Right? So these bricks that, didn't he say that bricks that remain from a building, right? Shari Litzal Tulinu Bishavata, you're allowed to handle them on Shabbos, you can move them around on Shabbos. Ho'el Vachazi Lemizge Aluha. And because you can sit on that. But if you arrange them, you put them in a row, like one on top of each other, then it's like you set them aside. So this seems to teach us that bricks that are put on top of each other, even if they're not cemented, they actually can be considered to be muksa. And so then they come up with this interesting distinction. So now here's a distinction about a halacha between Yom Tov and Shabbos. So this halacha of Rabbi Meir only applied to Chag, to Yom Tov. It did not apply to Shabbat. Tani nami hachi, and so they're going to give another b'risa that, that has the same opinion. Rabbi Meir Omer, av polchet l'chatchila v'notel, v'yom tov amru, aval lo v'shabbat. So this specific halacha was something that was allowed, according to Rabbi Meir, only on Yom Tov, right? Um, and it's presumably because the, some of them are fresh sweet, because it's sorech ochel nefesh, right? It's 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 it, it's food, so you need to be able to prepare that food. So that's why you could basically 
make that whole, but not something that you would be allowed to do on Shabbat because you don't need to prepare. You're not allowed to prepare food on Shabbat. That's our DAF discussion for the day. Thank you for joining us. Rank us, review us where you get your podcast. Come talk to us on our Facebook page and tell us what you think of this DAF and the discoveries about Yentif that we have here. Uh, thank you to Rabbi Michelle Farber for hosting us on the Hadron website. And until tomorrow, go and learn. Mm-hmm.